Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. On today's episode, we have Wendy Papasan. She leads various real estate teams in various locations. She's a real estate investor, philanthropist, community activist, and many more things. We go so deep with Wendy, which is so easy to do because she's such a wonderful person. One of the things we focus a lot on in this episode is how to step out of your business and to have more leverage in your personal life, in your business so you can do what you're great at and do what you love. And I think that's a message we all need to hear more of. Yeah. And don't, don't get us wrong. Okay. You probably heard about the leverage or building a team, but Wendy will give you like steps, exercises, very tactical things that you can do right now to really like break that mindset and hire your first team member. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation home owning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show, where we are on a mission to empower women to live a financially free and balanced life. And whatever balance means to you, right? Because right now we're focused on podcasting. I'm not I'm not in anything else. I'm here with all of you. And so is Andressa. We have an amazing guest here, Wendy Papasan. Thank you so much, Wendy, for being on our show, for being part of our community and have spoken at various events. For us, we adore you and appreciate you and glad you're here with us today. Thank you. Well, we all share the same mission and passion for helping women build wealth and really succeed in having a big life. So I really appreciate you guys having me here today. Yeah. Excited to jump in with you in a moment here as we always like to do for all of you listening. We like to kind of share something that's coming up for us, some you know tip or awareness or something that would be helpful to you as well. So Andressa, what's, what's happening for you? Well, this past weekend, I went bowling with my son. 
Well, you'll be proud of me, Liz. It was like a mom and son thing. Ooh. Oh, well, you met other parents. Yeah. Uh-oh. How'd that go? Other moms. I have a hard time with that, though. I have, like, I, I can, can somebody please help me? Give me a guide to how to create those conversations. I get bored as hell very easily. I'd rather talk to the kids. <laughs> That's bad, right? I hope they're not listening to me right now. Great, great people, but <laughs> I have a hard time to be quite honest with you. So I hope I'm not the only weirdo <laughs> say that. But here's the thing, right? And my son goes to a Montessori school. So there's older kids that are leaders. And it's so good to see it when he got there. He had the older kids on third grade coming to support him. He could barely hold the freaking bowling ball and, and throw it, right? So obviously, we were in the same lane with other moms and sons. And we were, quote unquote, competing against each other. And obviously, my competitive side kicked in, right? But my son, poor guy, he's the youngest one. And he was at the bottom of the the scoreboard, right? I was like, oh, I need to do this because he can, he knows that he is last and he's having a hard time with that. And I was like, it's all about practicing. It's all about practicing. And we are having fun over here. Focus like we are team. So mom is at first, you are last combined. We're good. It's like, uh, that doesn't matter to me. Like I'm last. And he started getting very like one, one, one. And then we we went to a second game with an older kid. And I was not playing. It was him and this other kid. And of course, the other kid was winning again. But then I said to him, listen, do you remember how, how, how was your score the first time? He's like, yeah, 67. I was like, yep. What is your score now? Well, 79. I was like, exactly. You're winning because you already beat your previous record. And now it's 79. The next time we're going to aim above 79. I don't care about anybody else. Immediately, this kid was so excited, jumping up and down. He's like, I can't believe I just beat my own record. And, and I was like, yep, yeah, you just beat your own record. That's what we're going to focus on. The reason why I'm saying this to you is that he was still losing. He was still, the reality was clear. He was losing <laughs> The other kid was like a hundred and who knows, he lost it, but he left that room as a winner. Super excited to tell my mom that he beat his record. He couldn't believe how he made it. So the mindset shift, the reality is still the same, but how he saw the world, it was a quick shift. And I think sometimes we have a hard time doing that because we're comparing ourselves, our journey with other women. And and I encourage you at home, just compare yourself with yourself. You're your only competition. But the mindset piece is so important. And that is one of the things that we are going to be talking during our investor con coming up on June 23rd and 24th, because we're sick and tired to go into real estate conferences when it's all about real estate content and not mindset. So please check it out, therealestateinvestor.com slash InvestorCon. You're going to see all the details about this conference. We're focusing on three pillars, real estate, business strategies, and self-care. Right, honey? Because that's important. Take care of ourselves. And you can get all the information on our show notes. Yes. Very cool. Very cool. 
I love that he got a better score. That makes me happy for Lorenzo. <laughs> Poor kid. <laughs> Poor so kid. Sweet. So Wendy, thank you so much for being on our show. Really uh, appreciate your time and your wisdom. You're about to share with all of us because Jess and I selfishly know how much wisdom you have to give and, and we're excited to have you on. So we always like to kick things off with uh, our guests and asking the question. And I know you're, you built a very successful team of agents. You're an agent investing, business, nonprofit. You're, you're involved with so many different great endeavors. What propelled you to initially get involved in, in the space of real estate? Where did that all begin? Sure. Well, so I got started actually my career in real estate investing. So I was a real estate investor first before I started my real estate team. And we got into it in a very simple way in that when we moved out of our house, so we bought our first house in Austin, we lived in it for three years and I got pregnant with my first child and we decided that the, you know, the one bathroom wasn't really going to be that conducive to our marriage. So we got, you know, we decided to move up and somebody simply said to, you know, I think Jay, my husband, they said, well, why don't you keep that, keep your house as an investment property? And it was a really simple question. And it's a question that I've asked many sellers and actually many of my friends that caused us to keep that property as an investment property. And so then fast forward, I ended up quitting my job and I really got the investment bug. And so we started doing different kinds of investing, investing in single family homes. We did a small subdivision in Austin. We, uh, we did some flips. And that's really that's really how I started, and I did that for five years. Uh, my kids are pretty close together, so they're 15 months apart, and so I did that until my son started kindergarten, and that's when I got my real estate license. But I got my real estate license to save money on investment properties. That was my goal there. I was going to ask you that because a lot of investors debate, right? Should I get my real estate license, or would this be a distraction, or would this be another uh, revenue income, or a different? way of being creative when putting deals together. What are the pros and cons that you see it? Well, for me, you know, we were living on one income. So, you know, the money was actually, we thought it would be great. And my goal, actually, my goal that year was so small. My goal was only to make $15,000. So I started like a lot of women, a lot of, a lot of professionals. I started really part-time as a way to supplement our family's income. And, and honestly, $15,000 uh, was a lot of money for us back then. And uh, and so I thought, gosh, if I could make $15,000, then I could use that money to buy an investment property. That was kind of my goal. But also still, you know, being present with my kids. So, you know, I would pick up my youngest from school at noon every single day when I got my real estate license. And it actually turned out that I was that I was good at sales. So I made $85,000 that first year. My goal was 15. And I sold 18 homes that first year first year working part-time, which was amazing for me because the most I'd ever made in my life was was about $40,000. So I essentially doubled my income my first year in sales. I love that. And then you went on to build a team yeah. involved in so many different endeavors. And, and what I appreciate most of some of the learning that I've had from you is that you talk a lot about leverage mm-hmm. and you talk about you know leverage at home, leverage in your business, and, and really want to focus on that because I think that's probably one of the calls in a lot of women's life for various yeah. reasons. So yeah. I know that you you have talked about your not to do list. So when it comes to you know uh, outsourcing and starting to not do everything ourselves as women as as entrepreneurs, 
Tell us a little more about your the, the the importance of a not to do list, and then what do you do with that not to do sure, list? Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> well, and you know, I got kind of the leverage bug at the beginning because again, when I started in real estate, when I started my real estate business, I do view it as a business. Um, it's a multi million dollar business now, one of several that I am involved with, and my kids were three and five, and so. I said to myself, what, what can I do so that I can, you know, cause I'd been a stay at home mom for five years. I wanted to maintain that relationship and also be a present and loving wife. Right. And do, you know, cause my husband's a, a, an executive at Keller Williams, he's got a busy job. And, uh, and so I got the leverage bug right away. Uh, when I started in real estate, I actually got help right away. So I, I have never done a real estate transaction by myself. So I literally have never done a deal by myself. I got a, a a transaction coordinator right away. And at the time I was making about, I don't know, about $5,000 in commission and I could pay someone $350. And I thought, wow, I get to keep 4,650 of those dollars and somebody else takes all that off my plate. It seemed like a no brainer. I'll just say it was not easy for me to do. So I grew up in Northern Minnesota. My grandmother uh, was the oldest of nine children and her dad died when she was about 14. And she and my great grandmother worked the farm together with her brothers and sisters. So this kind of like stoicism about work and doing all the things yourself was very much ingrained in me. I think especially for women, we just feel like we have to do all the things, you know? And the problem is, is, is if you're pretty capable of doing all the things, which a lot of us as entrepreneurs are, it's actually a detriment. You know, it would be better for us if we weren't able to do some of these things because we would give it up quicker. But because we're able to, um, we kind of hold on to stuff. And I had many, many, many leverage lessons. So when I was solely focused on real estate investing, I did everything myself. I mean, I would take my kids at the time who were two and three, and we would do the make ready for our rental properties. And I would do the cleaning. I would take them with me and I would take the garbage out and scrub the floors and clean the toilets because I thought that's that was the way we maximized our investment. And in a way, it's great. You know, you do want to do as, as much sweat, sweat equity as makes sense. But um, I realized, you know, I just couldn't, as, so, as soon as I started this other business and I started investing in that, the only way it's going to grow is if I, if I leverage that through people. So, yeah. So the, just to go back to the, your question, which is about the to-do list is I tell people, take a piece of paper, tape it to your desk, take a Sharpie and write my not to-do list on top of it. And every time you have that feeling of like, ugh. I don't want to do this, or I'm not good at it. Or maybe you put it off and you put it off again and you put it off the third time. Uh, You want to write that down. And then when you fill that piece of paper up, you've got a job description for someone or maybe several job descriptions for different people in your life. And that's home and that's work too. So anything that you don't want to do. And then just understand that you've got to earn the right to hire those people, right? But most of us are just up to our eyeballs. Yeah. Let, let's speak back on what you just said, right? Earn the right. Mm-hmm. I think we hear so much from women, very experienced, very well-educated. They don't give themselves that permission as if they are just starting or not worth it of having the right to do that. They know the benefits of hiring. They can see it. But there is this blockage and then I say, okay, let's name those blockages, right? This is the things that they say. 
I am not that big. I'm small. Or I I can't afford it paying somebody to do it. How about if I don't have the the deal flow to keep paying that person? And the third one is like, how can I trust somebody with my business? So Wendy, take over. What would you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so I would say, you know, as you're growing your life and your business, the path is always in the math. And so when I say you haven't earned the right, uh, I don't mean that you're not worthy of it because we're all worthy of help. And in fact, we live in a weird culture where we do a lot of things on our own, especially women, especially this idea of like being at home with your children and raising them is a very foreign concept in most countries. And so, you know, that that's not what I mean. I don't mean you have to be worthy of it, but you know, the purpose of business is to make money. And if you're running your business, you need to know your hourly wage. And so I would encourage everyone, and it's a little trickier when it comes to investing, but at the same time, if you're tracking your net worth, you should be able to understand the worth of your time. If you guys haven't done this exercise, it's a powerful exercise. Think about all the hours that you worked, let's say in 2021, and and then think about all the money that you made right? And just divide the two of those. And that's your hourly wage. And uh, most of us who are entrepreneurs, we don't know our hourly wage because no one is paying us. We're paying ourselves. And so if your hourly wage is $20 an hour, then you can probably afford a housekeeper at $20 an hour because you could probably hire a housekeeper at $20 an hour. If your hourly wage is $10 an hour, well, then guess what? You got to put a little more sweat, sweat equity in. I would, I would guess that most of us have an hourly wage of 50, 100, 200, 250, 500, $1,000 an hour. And when you truly understand the value of your time, and, and honestly, ladies, women's time has been so devalued for eternity, literally devalued. Mm-hmm. Women's work is devalued. And, and so you need to just just figure out what your hourly wage is and then all that time you spend cleaning your house or you know whatever that is cleaning an investment property you got to take that time and and work on your business right you need to spend that time growing it you don't get to get that extra 10 hours a week back and then spend it on you know social media or something like that so much sense. Your question. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It makes so much sense. You know, I, I think Andres is so- doing the math right now. She's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> hold on a second. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> here's the thing: when you say something, I, I always think about creating different things for our community, right? But if I don't write it down, it goes away. <laughs> so yes. I, all the ideas that could come into my head, I gotta write that down. Yeah. How about I'm going to play devil's advocate because I can connect with with a lot of what you're saying, mm-hmm. and and so many times women will say, "Yeah, but mm-hmm. I totally get you know totally get that point." Now I got to spend that. I got to get this done, right? I, I have so much going on. I have so much to get done. So me now taking time to go find someone to do that PowerPoint or to write. Are you that talking copy. about yourself, Liz? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> no idea. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, 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 I have no idea. Like I'm not. No, you're not was, a control freak at all. No, Liz. I think Liz was the the one doing the grass, right? And then you heard from Wendy to hire uh, yes. somebody to cut your grass. Mm-hmm. And then you did that. I'm making a lot of good strides with Wendy on my shoulder being I'm my guide. Okay. Right. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You know, I think 
When it comes to things that we can do very quickly, though, I think those are the harder things to let go of Mm -hmm. because we can A, do them quickly, B, there's probably a control piece. And then you think, oh, I got to... I got to spend the time thinking about the role and finding this person. And there's a lack of staff, there's a lack of people. Let me just get it done. And that'll, that, you know, that'll take me a shorter amount of time. Mm-hmm. So how do you move through that way of being? Because there's women yeah. listening right now that can connect with that on some level. It's so how just, do you move it, through that? Yes. It's just like you have to think about investing. Okay. So if you have $10,000 to spend and you go out and buy a nice purse and, and, uh, and two pairs of shoes, that feels really good and it's fast. But when you're 85 years old and you don't have any money in the bank, that's going to be really hard for you. So what you're talking about is the compound interest of getting help over time. Okay. Yes, of course it's quicker. And we're all, you know, if you know the disc, we're all high D personalities. We all move really quickly. Training's not fun. That's the last thing we want to do is train anyone to do the job. (laughs) And yet... If you take the time to train someone and they're not going to get it as quickly as you, it's going to be annoying. You're going to train them. They're not going to be, they're not going to be as fast as you. However, they're going to take that job from you and the compounding interest of giving up all those tasks over time is what's going to allow you to be way more successful than if you'd done it yourself. Yeah. I love that. I'm already thinking. (laughs) This is not a podcast interview. This oh, is just when, no. when we are just doing this therapy <laughs> session here. We tricked Wendy to just come and answer our question. Wait, you we're not tricked. recording. Oh, shit. <laughs> so Wendy, like the first hire, right? It's like the first property. When when you when you buy your first property, you just like broke that the glass ceiling and you're like, okay, now I'm I'm there. And then your first hire. I think my perspective, the first hire is one of the most difficult ones until you get to the like hiring COO, a a VP, and then that's, that's, that's hard too. But the first one, right. When you, when you hire somebody, how do you move through that process? And I think women wants to know like the nitty gritty, right. I don't know. How do I vet them? How do I, where do I look for them? Can we trade hours? Should I pay for them? All of those, those questions, hiring the first person, first of all, who would you hire? How would you determine who do you need to hire? Well, I'll just acknowledge that it's very hard to hire that first one. It's very scary because all of a sudden you're not a solopreneur anymore. All of a sudden you have somebody who's counting on you to do what you need to do. And all of that fun freedom that comes from being an entrepreneur kind of goes away. You've got some accountability. And for me personally, that motivates me. I have a team. My team counts on me. Um, I need to get up and do my job every day. And uh, one of my goals, you know, one of my, my mission in life is to empower and inspire big thinking leaders to create lives of abundance. And one of the ways I do that is through my team. And, uh, and yes, it's very hard. So I want everyone to think about it First of all, think about it. When you think about a financial investment, I want you to not think about it as the salary for the whole year, because I think that can be very intimidating. So if you're hiring your first person, you're like, ooh, I have to come up with $50,000 or $60,000, gosh, $5,000 a month. I want you to think about three months of salary, because after three months, if this person is not allowing you to do more and be more 
equal or greater than their wage, then then they're probably not the right hire. Either you you haven't hired the right person or you haven't even probably trained them right. So I want you to think about that, not $60,000, but that three months, which is $15,000. Okay. So that, that alone helps you chunk it down. Okay. And then the other thing that I would say is, is that first hire, and, and honestly, if you get a virtual assistant, it's going to be a lot less than that. We have a couple of virtual assistants, and that can be a great first hire. For me, I knew that I needed someone 30 hours a week, right? So I didn't even hire a full-time person. I needed someone 30 hours a week, and I could pay them X amount of money. And, and so I had that money in the bank for that three months. I had that in the bank. And once I had that in the bank, I said, okay, boom, now I get, I get the privilege of doing that. And I have to hurry up and make sure that that person is taking enough off my plate. So I make that money back in the three months. And then the other thing that I think people have, the other block that they have is they think, gosh, well, I got to get my stuff together. I got to get my systems in order in order to hire someone. Okay. So if you're entrepreneurial, you, you maybe probably you're not that good at systems, right? You're maybe good at coming up with ideas and, 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 but you're not always good at making everything go round and round and round and round for years on end. So I would argue if you're more of an entrepreneurial type, you're looking for someone who's going to make the wheel go round, whatever that wheel looks like for you. And so you're going to hire that person and they're going to figure everything out for you. You don't have to figure it out. So when I hired my first assistant, I said, listen, your first job is to figure out how you're going to get paid because I do not know how to pay you. And you've got two weeks to figure it out. I like that. Yeah. The second thing that the person did is they just followed me around and they, they documented everything that I was doing. Right. So those first, you know, few months, they're just walking around and they're documenting my systems. Right. And this was, this was on my real estate team so that someday I can say, this is how we do things in our business. And here it's documented. Right now we have an 85 page operations manual for our business. And if God forbid, you know, my operations director gets hit by a bus, the next person that comes in, everything's in there, all the passwords, all the systems, how how we work with buyers, how we work with sellers. Here's this system. Here's that system. And, you know, it didn't start out as an 85 page document started out as probably a 10 page document, but that first assistant is going to help you do that. And then remember, you've got your not to do list. So you look at that not to do list and you think, okay, who could I hire? Who's going to do all these things and whatever that looks like, that's the job description. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
One of the things like cleaning up your house before you hire some, a cleaner to come, right? Because mm -hmm. they're like, well, at least something I need to have it structure because it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing how, how it is. And, and I always say like building systems and SOPs to, to me comes very easily this end of, of our business. Mm -hmm. it, it, and I understand it's not for a lot of people. Be okay with having a C, right? It's like the school syndrome. You got an A, B, and C's in school and then you're focused on getting better uh, mm -hmm. with the, the C. So forget about that. Let's hire somebody. But there's still this embarrassment. But what you're saying is like, follow me or even better, right? Follow me, create something better that is going to generate your own salary. Absolutely. But you're very confident, Wendy, on that. And some woman just thinking about that possibility of spitting that out is like, oh, they're not going to take me seriously over here. How do you overcome that? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, and I would say I absolutely felt that way. You know, you have the imposter syndrome where you're, where you literally think nobody's going to want this job, but you want to have a process for hiring that makes you look better than you are. So our team has a, uh, like a seven step process for hiring. And what that does is, is, is even with my first assistant, I use this process, which is the process is all about them. So you're asking them lots of thought questions. You're doing what's called the it's a KPA. It's a Keller personality assessment. You're asking them their life story, which is basically a deep dive into their resume and their past history. Um, and then you've got a the fourth interview, which is their future self, which is like, hey, where do you want to be in five years? And then you've got a group interview and the group interview can be some people that you know. And so this is it's a long protracted process. And that process actually will get a good candidate to come to you. And you just have to also understand that you aren't the kind of leader probably now that's going to attract mega talent. You're just not. And that's part of it. It's part of your leadership journey. And I was talking to my husband last night because he's like going through some struggles with one of his businesses right now. And uh, I was like, I said to him, yeah, I've, I've been there. I've had that happen. And, you know, it's just leadership is a journey. You know, you go through it. It's painful. People leave you. And then it's less painful, you know, it, because it's just like learning. My business till I was 38. So I'm 51. I'm still learning all of the lessons. And the faster you can move through those, uh, the more successful you're going to be. I totally agree. Liz and I always talked about like leveling up can't level up your real estate business without leveling up your leadership as well to the same level. And sometimes it is just focusing on the people, on the team and, and all of that. I remember the first time that I fired a general contractor. Yeah. I debated that internally. <laughs> like I, I had different conversations like with him in different, you know, very calm, very peaceful, very aggressive, very like direct or whatever that secret sense would be. And, and I think that after I, since then I have fired so many others, not like there's a pleasant moment, right? But internally, mentally, I know exactly why this person is not a fit. I know that I'm doing a, a service for her, for me, 
or for whoever I'm doing business with, am I am in peace? And that, that, I don't know if that makes sense, but that struggle, mental struggle got shorter, shorter and shorter. And I am more assertive of like, listen, I, I see the right flag here. We're not matching the expectations of the KPIs over here or not. Therefore, I don't think we're a good fit. Let's go to the right, go to the left, and we move forward. But yeah. without that before. Well, and I would just say that conversation can always start with an apology, which is, mm. listen, uh, Andresa, uh, you know, you know, we've been having conversation after conversation about how you're not meeting, meeting your KPIs. And I want to apologize because I realize now that you are not the right person for the job. And that's on me because I hired you. And I really want you to be at a, in a place where you're succeeding and you wake up every day and you're hitting those KPIs and you're loving your job. And I just don't think it's here. And so we're going to part ways and I'm going to do everything I can to help you find your next position. And having those scripts in place. Wow. That's, that's just, that cha- that's a whole game changer because Absolutely. when you're the leader, it's all on you. You hired that person. It's yep. your fault. It is. Yeah. It's your fault. <laughs> So I always say, right? It's on me. If it goes right, it's on me. If it goes bad, it's on me. It doesn't matter what my team yep. is as good as <laughs> as I am. So we are always like in progress. Yeah. <laughs> Liz is Liz yeah. always working certain things. I'm working certain things. It's a it's a different way of it's a journey. It's mm-hmm. a journey. Yeah, for sure. In terms of the the seven seven step process for hiring, you know, the women listening, some of them are like, whoa, it's seven. I don't even have one step, let alone seven steps. So what would be a process of someone trying to get there, you know, get a better process in place for hiring, but they may not be ready for, you know, as in depth of a process. Sure. What's, yeah. what's essential to have out of all those steps that women so, listening can employ? Yeah. So understand that most people hire out of pain. <laughs> and when you hire out of pain, you are looking around in your world and saying, you can help me with my pain. Mm. So generally you don't have more than one candidate. So the best thing that you can do is have multiple candidates. So three is ideal, two is a minimum. So that's, that's the one thing because that'll help you compare and contrast. Second thing is you need to have total clarity about the job, right? Total clarity about the job. And then the third thing is, have they done the job before? That's going to guarantee that you're going to get someone who can do the job. I think sometimes we have a friend or we're hiring out of pain and we're looking around and we're like, oh, you'd be great at this when really... They've never done anything like it before. And so that's a problem. And then the other thing is, is we tend to hire people that we like. Okay. And you want to like the people that you work with. I actually think likability is very underrated. However, you don't want to fall in love with someone if you're like, I'm extroverted. So I need a process. If I sit down with you and I spend several hours with you, I'm just going to like you probably. And, uh, and so we're our own worst enemy as far as that is concerned, um, I would do some kind of standardized test. Okay. You can d- download a free disc test, mm-hmm. which is the DISC and get an idea of their skill sets, right? If you're a high D and a high I, you probably need someone who's more detail oriented. So you're looking for an SC. If you're more of an SC, you might need someone who's going to, who's going to work a little faster, you know, get, push you, uh, you might need just a, that counterpart. Uh, so whatever that looks like, and those are all that's all easy, free, but you're going to have a process. What most people do is they sit down with somebody for 30 minutes. They say, I'm in pain. You're hired. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. And, and, and that way of being then comes across to them, yeah. you know, and, and it's got to affect that 
you know, connection. Cause they're I like, think the, the, the worst thing is that there's no clear expectations or the employee or the team member does not know if he or she is succeeding yes. or failing. Yes. And then they're going to get fired actually is going to be a very a big question mark. Well, I thought it was succeeding. So mm-hmm. yeah. I can't read your mind. What's the point here? Well, you need to, first of all, spend time with your new person. I think most of the time we we do what I call seagull management is you swoop in, you dump all over your person and you swoop out, right? You don't want that. You want to spend time with that person. So if you're hiring someone, you're looking ahead, you're looking at your calendar and you're saying, okay, I need a time block. Hour, two hours, whatever it's going to look like with this person for the first few weeks because you need to train them. They need to be able to ask questions. And then I tell everyone, what are the top three things if this person does well, then they're going to succeed at the job? Because any job you have, any job that any of us would take, we're going to be really good at some things and we're not going to be good as others, especially in kind of that, if you've got a lead admin operations person, they might be a little bit better at marketing. They might be a little bit better at the budget, but what are the three things that you want them to nail, right? And then you go in and you say, hey, listen, I need you to do this very well. I need you to do this very well. I need you to do this very well. That's your 20%. Everything else, right? We're going to learn. You're going to get better at all those things, but you need to nail these three things. And they need to be able to be be somewhat competent at them. Or at the end of 90 days, they need to be nailing it, you know? Right. And progressing towards that, you know, where, where you want them to be or need yeah. to be. Yeah. That's that's powerful. I'm taking a lot of notes. <laughs> it's so important. What's that? I know. I appreciate that. You know, it's so important is that it's giving the mental space to step away from the business. You know, so many of the things you're saying and so many of the things we're, we're t- talking here, you know, you think about women just don't even have the space to even think about some of these things. And that's a problem, you know? So you talk about leverage, circling that back. You know, when, when women are looking at their lives and they're sitting back listening to this, where can they start mm-hmm. from a leverage perspective? The not-to-do list is, is, a, is a great place, obviously, but any other exercises they can do or anything else they can do to like, okay, this is the lowest hanging fruit. <laughs> Let's start here, you know, and then, and then they take another step. It's almost like building a muscle. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah. Well, and once you get a little taste of leverage, it's delicious and you want to keep, you want to keep sampling more. But I would say the thing that you need to do also is you need to understand that leverage is one step forward, you know, sometimes two steps back. And so you need to have the financial wherewithal to invest in your business. A lot of people, they make money, they spend it. They make money, they spend it. They make money, they spend it. And the gift that I got is, is I had not been making any money for five years before I started my real estate business. And so we just decided that we're going to continue to live that way. And so I was able to take a portion of that $85,000 I made the first year and invest it in my first assistant. But if I didn't have that money, I couldn't do it, right? So you have to come up with that $15,000 or whatever that is. And that's the runway. That's investing in your business, right? And a lot of people don't, maybe we don't think about our uh, real estate investments as a, as a, as a business, right? We don't necessarily think about it like that, but you really need to approach it that way and invest in your business. What are the systems? What are the things that I can do 
uh, in order to have the thinking time to grow. Because to do real estate investing, you gotta you have to be able to think. You have to be able to analyze deals. You have to have time and space. And uh, you can't do that if you're always you know running around after your kids and cleaning toilets and whatnot. I, I completely agree. When when Liz and I started, even with the podcast, right? You do everything you do from hat to toe. And there's so many steps on getting person booked to the release of it. And looking back, I don't even know how we did it. I, I just can't imagine what we had done. It's just like a different world that I am not part of right now. We show up here. We know we prepare for the for the interview. We have those questions, but that is our main priority. Everything else, we are out. Our organization chart right now looks four times what it was two years ago, two years ago, right? We have about 15 to 18 people. So as we grow, I see like again, and it goes again. Now I need to step out again. You keep stepping out of your position over and over again. And I think at the beginning, it was really for me to let go of running a meetup. Very simple, right? Running a meetup here in Philadelphia. Liz was like, you're out. I'm telling you, you're out. I was like, but that's a babe, our baby. No, you're out. <laughs> you're out of that. So I step out of that, which allow me to do other things. And as we grow, I keep seeing the same thing. When it, when it starts getting, you are the bottleneck of progress. Now it's time to step out again mm-hmm. and, 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 and let go of that position that you thought, okay, all right, I guess I'm not doing that. Somebody else is going to, to do that again. But it's kind of like a circle and, and not putting myself attached to I'm not what I do or my value is not attached to a specific task and kind of like really stepping out and out and looking at the, like a symphony, right? It's just like. Yeah, that's so wise. That's so wise. Yeah, I tell people I have fired myself from every job on my real estate team (laughs) and I've replaced myself with somebody who's better at it. Right. And the thing is, is, you know, when we, when we have control over things and we think that we can do things better than everybody else, that's it. That's just ego. That's, that's truly ego. If you really think that you're the best person and the only person that can do that, that's just ego, you know? So I've fired myself from, you know, uh, I fired myself from contract to close. I fired myself from operations. I fired myself from showing properties. I fired myself on the listing side now. And then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, I'm the, I'm a leader. That's my skill. I'm a leader. And that's a very powerful skill. And once you can manage that, once you can manage the leverage and it starts just like you're saying, it starts so small, it starts really tiny and step-by-step person by person, failure through failure, you know, fall down, skin your knee, get back up, fall down, skin your knee, get back up. All of a sudden you look up and you're like, wow, I've built an empire. How did that happen? Yeah. And I think it's really creating the space and the vulnerability, right. And being in circles with other people and other, you know, men, women, whomever to to help you see your blind spots. Right. Absolutely. Cause it's really easy. I think it's very easy sometimes to kind of be, you know, put yourself in situations where you've already mastered because you get confidence from that, you know, especially as entrepreneurs, yeah. you know, well, and we're then human you, beings and we run yeah. from pain. I mean, that's just part of being yeah. a human. That's totally yeah. normal. Yeah, it is. And so to, to be able to have some honesty with yourself, I would say it's like a um, 
State of the Union. I have State of the Union addresses with Liz. <laughs> and that helps me kind of like, what's the State of the Union here? You know, and, and, if, and if a pattern keeps coming up, you know, which it does with different areas of my life, I'm like, okay, something has to change. Yeah, you know, that's, we all have blind spots and we can't see them. That's why they're called blind spots. Yeah. And it's hard to do that on your own. So women listening, you know, uh, there's so many of us alike that you need to put yourself in the arena to get the support and give the support to others. And I think that's just critical. What I know we have a shared passion around Wendy. Um, this has been amazing. Uh, we could probably do a whole like two day workshop with you <laughs> to dive into this even further. I think the takeaway though, is something that Andres and I have always been really committed to doing is, you know, do something with what, what, what we talked about today, just like every episode, but especially this one, because I know there's women listening. I know you're listening and, and I know you are struggling with this because it's a common struggle for many of the women in our community do one thing and then share it in our community, you know, and we'll hold you accountable. So Wendy, where can the ladies listening learn more about you and follow along all the good stuff that you're doing? Sure. Uh, well, I'm on Instagram at Wendy Papazian and uh, my passion project that helps women build big businesses and even bigger lives is called Her Best Life. And we have trainings. We do, uh, we teach you about wealth building there too. And you can find that at herbestlife.com. Awesome. And all this information you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one, Wendy, is what's the most transformational book you ever read? And you cannot say the one thing what? by a guy that you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not fair. The Millionaire Real Estate Agent. All right. Also by my wonderful husband and Gary Keller. Um, it's really ap applicable to any business. Honestly, with the four mm -hmm. models, you don't need to be a real estate agent. Any business you build, you can read it. And uh, it's a book that I've read over and over again. In fact, I'm teaching it with my team now so that I really internalize it. Awesome. The second question is, what's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life? Well, that would be my morning routine. So uh, I work out with my husband three days a week. Uh, we have a trainer that comes to our house at 5.30 in the morning and we get up, we work out. Um, I get to do gratitude. I spend time with my husband. Uh, my kids are older now, but we used to all have breakfast together. So that morning routine is really powerful. I really don't get on with my team until nine o'clock. So um, I've already I've already been up for four hours before my workday starts, and having that foundation for me is just it's everything. Wonderful. Last question is: Which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? Hmm. I would say it's probably my grandmother. Uh, so I was really close to my grandmother, and I got to spend a lot of time with her growing up. And she she was actually really thrifty, and so that kind of thrift. Uh, has really has really served me in investing and in life. And I've been able to take that as a base and kind of move beyond it. And um, yeah, so, so my grandmother. Wonderful. Great. Wendy, thank you so much for being on our show and sharing your wisdom with us and all the women and men <laughs> who, who are with us in the, on this journey. So thank you for being here. Of course. My pleasure, guys. See you thank soon. Thank you, Wendy. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. 
And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.